0: for the opportunity to gather to worship you this evening, Lord. And Father, what an amazing reality that no matter what we go through in this life, no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in, Lord, the trials and the struggles of life, the joys and the great blessings that you provide to us, wherever we are, Lord, that we can proclaim it is well with my soul. Not because the situation or the circumstance is what I desire, but because I know that in all of it, that I am in Christ And you are holding on to me as you're holding on to all of those who are in Christ. And one day, Lord, we will see you face to face, and we will be like you. And so, Lord, no matter what we go through, it is well with our soul, Lord. It is well because we trust in Christ above all things. Father, would you glorify your name as we continue through this service this evening, Lord, as we desire to worship you, to be in your word, and to learn more about not only who you are, but the miraculous things that you have done and continue to do in our world today. Father, we love you. May you be glorified in all of this. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So, a couple announcements to get started. So, I want to encourage you guys with those, and just just for a moment here before we dive into our devotion this evening. And so, we're speaking about a couple upcoming events. Uh, one of the things we want really to make sure you know about is our upcoming food drive. And so for the entire month of February, we're doing that. So please bring in some canned food items. Um, Obviously, non-perishable food items. Bring those in with you. Those can be dropped off on the table out here in the lobby. Um, also want to let you know your contribution statements. We talked about this this morning. Uh, they've been emailed out. So if you had an email attached to your account, uh, that should have done that automatically and sent that out to you. Uh, if you did not receive one, let us know. Obviously, give the office a call. We'll take care of that. Email it to you. Or if you would like a printed contribution statement, please call the office and they can do that for you as well. Uh, but again, those should have all been sent out automatically this last week. All right. So check your email, make sure you receive that. If you did not let us know and we'll help you take care of that. Uh, We're like, with all the different items available, I want to encourage you to be involved in that. You can donate brand new items. Uh, You can also donate financially, and then that would go towards buying those toys or items for that. And you can also give online through the app, and you can just select Word of Life and put store in the memo, and that way you can also go towards those needs. Lots of other things going on. Uh, Hallelujah Quilters craft retreats coming up. Um, Prayer adoptions going on, so I want to show you sign up for that if you're interested. Football Sunday is next Sunday, so please invite someone out for that. It's going to be a great time. Uh TJ has been working very very hard at preparing something for that service and it sounds like things are going well and what we were hoping would be available is going to be available for that service and so it should be a lot of fun and some interaction for uh, you guys with the service as well and get to have a hand in that so I'm excited for that. Um also want to let you know we do have um Secret Sister brochures are due today and so if you did not turn that in uh ladies please do that today. Um I don't know what just happened, but like two whole rows just lost it. That was great. Um, so uh, don't forget to turn that in uh, today, ladies. If you forgot to do so, please do that. Uh, also want to let you know, Word of Life is going to be doing their kind of soup or bowl collection uh, this coming Wednesday. And so basically they can wear their football gear. And then also they'll be bringing any kind of canned food items um, in for collection that will go towards the food drive. And then also, uh, just a reminder, on the 18th, We have communion. Uh, We did communion in January, and uh, we didn't know what we were going to have. If you guys remember, that was kind of one of those mornings where the roads were kind of not great. Um, and so we had kind of already determined we were going to do another communion relatively sooner than uh, we had one planned for March, and so uh, we talked about doing one in February at some point, point. Um, and it turned out when everything was said and done, we had about the normal crowd we would have had if we just did service normally. So uh, I was really blown away by that. I, Sandra and I talked about that the whole way home. Could not believe uh, the number of people that came out that morning for service, and so maybe you're like some, and you got halfway here and realized these are not good roads, but I'm already halfway there. I might as we'll just finish it out. And so we greatly appreciated that. It was just so great to see so many come out. Um, I talked to Zach uh, Webb, him and his wife Megan do our communion prep. And so uh, usually they have a set number they do for communion. And so I told him before service, I said, hey, don't prep what you normally prep. Let's wait till service starts, get a count and then prep so we don't have a bunch of Extra. And I went back there uh, after that first worship song and I said, Hey, where are you at? And he said, I don't know. I stopped counting after 100. So it was amazing to see how the Lord still blessed, even on a morning that the roads weren't great. So, but that is going to be going on February 18th because we, said we were going to do one uh, sooner than later. So that's going to be going on. And then Impact Student Ministries, they have their snack night that night as well. So don't forget about that if you have a, a child or a teen in that ministry. All right. Um, that's all the announcements I think I have for. Upcoming events, Uh, just as a praise, uh, something I meant to mention this morning and I forgot, we had our men's prayer breakfast yesterday, and uh, what an amazing turnout it was, it was so great, the last couple of months have been really, really amazing to see so many guys coming together, Um, I didn't get a count, but I would guess we were probably almost to 30 guys uh, that were out yesterday, uh, just fellowshipping together and encouraging one another. Um, some visitors, um, something really, really cool was we actually had a, a gentleman who was at the last two uh, men prayer, men's prayer breakfast, and him and his wife actually came and visited this morning with us for the first time. So so that was really, really cool to see that as well. So just a great uh, to see men coming together, fellowshipping around the word of God and encouraging each other. So, um, and we had uh, Jeff Morgan gave our devotion. And so uh, crowd favorite, everybody was, you know, raving about how amazing he did. Um, they didn't tell me, I just know that's what they were thinking when you finished up. They were just like, that was powerful. Um, but no, I love having different men share, uh, the devotion month to month as the Lord leads. And so it's just so great to be a part of that. So, um, diving into, I guess I should ask any questions about any upcoming events or activities, any questions or anything before we jump into the devotion. Uh, I'm just gonna. I'll make a plug here. Uh, Abby mentioned that this morning she talked about how she's uh, given this opportunity to go to Paris and to do the Welcome Center. Yep. So there's some cards over there. I'm gonna call them prayer cards, information cards. Um, be sure to grab one if you did not get one already. Uh, put that up somewhere you can see it to be praying for her, praying for the funds to come in. Um, and, and one of the things we can do beyond praying for Abby's trip is to prayerfully consider us getting involved beyond prayer and, and maybe giving something towards that trip. Uh, three thousand is the needed funds. And so however the Lord might lead on that, maybe you'd prayerfully consider, um, giving towards that. If the Lord opens that door of opportunity, uh, every little bit helps. And so whatever you can give, I know it'll be a blessing to her and to that trip. So definitely let her know if you are able to do that. Is there a deadline on that, Abby? May 24th. Okay. So that's when you have to have it turned in then. Okay, so definitely get with her sooner than later. Let her know if you can help out with that so she can continue to plan and prepare for that trip, all right? So uh, let's jump into our devotion this evening, John chapter 10. If you want to turn there with me, John chapter 10. And we've been going through now um, kind of a, a study through, um, following our Daniel study, um, the topic of being confident in the face of hard questions. And so just speaking to this idea that, that when we are in conversations with people in our world today, that we can confidently share the truth of God's word, that we can have confidence in what we're sharing. And so the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the idea of truth in Christ, that when we're walking in Christ, that we have the truth of God's word, the truth of Christ before us, the light of Christ, which is in us through the Holy Spirit, and we're shining that light out, and that we can be confident in that. This week in the study that we're going through, the curriculum we're moving through, Uh, We're going to be speaking about the fact that miracles of Christ or the miracles we read about during the ministry of Christ are acts of God that point to Jesus being God and glorify the Godhead. So we're going to talk about miracles tonight and the idea that these miracles, these acts of God point to Jesus being God and also glorify the Godhead. And so uh, we're going to start in just a few moments in John chapter 10. To get us set for this topic, uh, we look around our world today, and contemporary culture often dismisses miracles as events we may not understand, but which have rational, natural explanations. Many of you have seen this. If you find on the History Channel or different channels like that, they'll try to have these specials where they talk about things that the Bible says happened, and then they'll give you all these ways that we have natural explanations of these things happening. And so our contemporary culture tries very uh, adamantly to dismiss any miraculous acts of God, to dismiss those things as just merely, uh, they're naturally explainable, but the people that experienced them, they just didn't know enough. They weren't aware of the science behind it or things like that. Even some in the church dismiss the reality of miracles, claiming that they are symbolic or serve as a metaphor for God at work. However, to discount the possibility of miracles is to discount the power and character of God. Miracles are possible because of who God is. And as we see in the miracles of Jesus, they point us straight to him, right? They point us straight to him. So to open up kind of tonight our conversation and get us kind of thinking about these miracles of Christ, I just want to ask, because I know you probably have at least one that you think of often. What is one of your favorite miracles of Christ? What is one of the miracles that Christ performs or happened during the ministry of Christ that you find yourself just being, every time you read it, you're just overwhelmed by it? Yeah, Julie. Raising Lazarus from the dead. Absolutely. What what a powerful miracle to show us that Christ has power over death. Amen. Which we see in the fullness of that he himself has power over death in his resurrection. And we one day will what? Have power over death and have currently power over death because of him. What's another favorite miracle that you think of often? Yeah, Abby. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. The providing the food for the 5,000, right? With one person's lunch isn't work of providing for so many. Right. And by the way, there were leftovers, which that just means leftovers are biblical. Okay. If you do a leftover night, you're biblical. Okay. That's all good. Okay. We should enjoy those leftovers. Okay. But date the leftovers because you're never going to remember when you made that. Okay. Okay. And there is a timeline on that stuff. I think it's five days or seven days or whatever it is, seven days. And so some of you are like, you know, you open up that Tupperware and you're like, "Mm, this is questionable. And some of you are like, I'm just going to try it and see what happens, right? Smell it, give it a little lick, see what happens. But but you should date those things, right? Because ER trips are not fun for food poisoning, okay? But what an amazing work of God, right? To provide for so many, okay? Someone else said something back here. Oh, she stole it. Mm, Man, that Abby, she's something else. I know. Yeah, Avi. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was just a really shallow part apparently in the middle of the water miles out from shore. But no, absolutely. I love that, that Jesus was walking on the water, that, that Peter is the only one we know of apart from Christ to walk on water, right? So as we are picking on Peter often, let's give him a little, little slack. Okay. He did also walk on water. Okay. So there's that. Um, but then I love that, that when he started to sink, um, I love that Jesus didn't say, no, Peter have better faith and then I'll come save you. Right. He rescued him and then said, why did you lack in faith? And so again, that's amazing reality and reminder of the reality of, grace that we have in Christ. Any other favorite miracles that Jesus performed or favorite miracles that come to mind? No? So when we dive into this, I want to give you a little background here on John chapter 10 before we read our text, uh, which is going to start in verse 22 in just a moment. So John chapter 10, this chapter focuses on the identity of Jesus, uh, who is God the Son, sent by God the Father to do the works of the Father and to redeem the world. Jesus's works show that he came from the father, is in the father, and the father is in him. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep in obedience to the command of the father. Jesus gives those who believe in him, his sheep, eternal life, and no one can break the bond of this relationship. Despite his teachings and the signs, miracles that he performed, many refuse to believe. So, like, think about that for a moment. Like, we, we read these miracles and we hear these stories and we think, how could anyone live in this timeline? Like, we read about it. It's maybe easier to dismiss, right? Because I read of him walking on water. I, don't, I didn't see it. But to imagine someone living in this culture, growing up in this and seeing all these things, and then still saying, yeah, I don't believe. But isn't that kind of what the Bible says will happen? Right? You remember the rich man and Lazarus? So the rich man gets sent to, to Hades, right? He's he's being tormented. And what does he request of Abraham? Send forth Lazarus to do what? What's the goal there in sending forth Lazarus? To warn my brothers, my family, not to come to this place. And what does Abraham say? They have the prophets, they have the law, let that be to them. And then he says this even if somebody raises from the dead, they're not going to believe. And we think, how is that even possible? Like, like this person was dead, now is alive. By the way, Jesus was seen by many, right? Over 500 at one time. We have it recorded for us. And yet still, the words of God come true. They're still rejecting the reality of Christ. And so we see this often where people will still dismiss who Christ is, what he came to do. By the way, if Jesus wasn't fully the son of God, God himself, and claimed to be, he's not a good moral teacher right? He's not a good prophet. If Jesus said, I and the Father are one, before Abraham was, I am. If he said that, preached and taught that he was the Messiah, he was the Christ, and he was either insane or lying. And so again, even in our culture today, people try to say, well, he wasn't really the Messiah. He was a good teacher. He was a good moral example. We just need to follow his example. But nowhere did Jesus say, follow my example alone. He, in fact, said, no, you, you desperately need me. Your faith in me will produce good works in you. And so let's jump into our text, kind of knowing the background here a little bit. John chapter 10 and verse 22. We're going to read through verse 26. And I would love to ask a, a volunteer that would like to read. And I'd love to get you guys involved a little bit more on Sunday nights. And so is there somebody that would like to read that text for us? John 10, 22 through 26. Danielle, awesome. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Oh, sorry. No, you're good. Yep. No, I mean, hey, I love the word of God. You can keep reading if you want. That's fine. It's all good. What's the tone of Jesus's words here? How would you describe the tone of what he's saying here? Frustrated? That's a good way to look at it. Is he being real, like, soft in his words or a little more aggressive in his words? He's not like laid-back hippie Jesus that we've created, right? I just, oh, I just love everyone. It's all good. Mm -hmm. You know that Jesus, right? What does he say? I did tell you, you don't believe. Why don't they believe? Because you're not my sheep. That's some pretty bold language from Christ. Now, again, he's the only one that can say you are or not his sheep. I can't say you're his sheep. You can't say I'm not his sheep or I am his sheep, right? Now, we can judge the fruit right? But who really knows who's his sheep and who are not the shepherd? And so when he makes that statement, he's the only one that can make that statement. Now, I know my sheep and you're not of my, my fold. You're not of my flock. And so here in this text, Jesus arrives in Jerusalem for the festival of dedication. We know it as Hanukkah or the festival of lights. As Jesus walked down Solomon's, uh, Porch there, he was approached and asked if he was the promised Messiah they had been waiting for. Jesus reminded them of the things he had already taught them. These things have already said. He went on to explain that the miracles he had performed gave witness to who he is. They had heard his teachings and seen his miracles, but they didn't believe or consider those things as a testimony of who Jesus was. Now, this word here in the passage we said in verse 25 Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not the works that I do. That word works, we use the word miracles. These are events that unmistakably involve an immediate and powerful action of God designed to reveal his character or purposes. So these are events that we're talking about. These things that Jesus said, I did these works. I did these things. It's obvious that these things were of God. Isn't that what Nicodemus said in John chapter 3? We know that you're of God. Why? Because you couldn't do the works you do apart from being from the father, from being from God. And I I love that whole back and forth, by the way, because that's early in Jesus's ministry, right? John chapter two talks about he did these miracles and these works. And Nicodemus was instantly like, I want to go talk to this man. Now, maybe Nicodemus was checking him out, right? As, As really the religious leaders should have done. This is why there was nothing wrong with the religious leaders going to John the Baptist and challenging and questioning. They should have went to Jesus and challenged and questioned. Why? Because they're the ones that are supposed to be leading the people. They're supposed to go and investigate on behalf of the people. Is this person really of God or not? And if they're not, then we need to make sure the people know that. The problem is they didn't go with the word of God. Is there just, are you really the Christ? Would you just tell us plainly? I absolutely love that. Like, like as though Jesus had been walking around trying to confuse them kind of shifty, like, "Mm, I just don't know. No, he was pretty obvious in what he was teaching and doing. And so these works were powerful actions of God designed to reveal his character or his purpose. The Greek term for works means deeds or actions. It can also mean manifestation or practical proof. So it's a practical proof of what Jesus, he says, I've taught you these things And then I showed you these things. These things are obvious of what I've been saying. In this context, Jesus's works can refer to his miracles or his entire ministry. So it's even beyond the miraculous things we just talked about, the feeding of the 5,000, the walking on water, his entire ministry could be talked about as a manifestation of the work of God. Because what did Jesus say as a boy when his parents forgot him? By the way, Forgetting Jesus at the temple, probably not a great idea. Not exactly gold star parenting right there. Okay. Uh, The previous pastor, we used to have a running joke because he forgot his one son at the church. I think it was three times. And it was one of those, like, I thought he was with you. And the mom said, no, I thought he was with you. And then somebody in the church calls and says, hey, your four-year-old's still at the church. Are you going to come pick him up? And so forgetting your child in general, probably a bad idea right? You're somewhere and you forget your kid. Okay. That's not great parenting. Forgetting the son of God. That's probably not a great idea either, but what did he say when he was in the temple? And they said, what are you doing? What did he say? I must be about my father's work. So see the whole ministry, the whole life of Christ was about what displaying the works of God in his words and in his deeds. So discussion question to kind of keep us thinking about this as we continue to talk through this idea, what can we learn about Jesus From studying his miracles. What can we learn about Jesus from studying his miracles or the things that he did while on earth? What do you think? What can we learn about Jesus as we study his miracles? Julie. I love that. He's compassionate and powerful, right? Absolutely. I mean, the healings alone the compassion of Christ, right? It's on display and the power to do something about it, right? Renee. Okay. Who he chose to help, that they believed in him and put their faith in him, right? Absolutely. Avi? Okay, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because remember, he is God in the flesh, right? But he, he slept. We know he slept. By the way, he took naps. So biblical to take naps. Write that down, right? Mark tells us that, that he slept in the boat, took a nap. But yeah, his, his sheer grace to do those things for his creation. And we were undeserving of all of it, right? We didn't deserve any of it, right? So his grace to always be giving and go the extra mile. And I mean, just the crowds alone, I always think about the multitudes, Just the crowds that would just pack in on Jesus. And yet he still was so gracious to continue to work and continue to work, right? The disciples didn't want to do it. Remember the one example where they were like, hey, can we just send these guys away, Jesus? Like, we want some time alone, right? But Jesus continues to minister, absolutely. Jeff? Yeah. Yeah, the patience of God, absolutely. Yeah, to endure with us the way he did, absolutely. Yeah, Claudette? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, in, in compassion and in action, right? They were hungry. Hey, where are we going to buy them some bread? We we don't have nearly enough money, and there's nowhere to buy the bread. So he provides for them. Absolutely, Avi. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, you know, the Prada doves, yeah, yeah. Exactly right. Um, so that, but then you also think, too, like the other thing that's so cool about all of it is throughout scripture, like how, like all of the miracles, like the feeding the 5,000, I am the bread of life. Yeah, yep. So how of it kind of dovetails together, too. Yeah. Because it's all open and it's just so beautifully connected. That's just really beautiful and sovereign to me. Yeah. I love that. That actually, he always took a spiritual application to the miracle, right? It proves something about him. Keith. Yep. Yeah. 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 Well, and there was the example, right? When they drove him out of their, their land, because they saw him sitting with the man that was possessed and he's clothed and speaking normal, and they're like, well, who is this guy? He's got this kind of power. We're terrified of you. You need to leave. Like, they actually kicked Jesus out because they were so afraid of his power and dominion, right? But he has dominion over the, the demonic forces, right? All spiritual forces. He has dominion over all of creation, right? He has dominion over death and life, right? He can twist the laws of physics by his own working, right? How does... These couple loaves of bread and some fish turn into feeding 5,000 because he can, he can do that. How does he turn water into wine? Well, technically, water turns into wine. It just takes a process of going into the vine, growing the grape. We pick the grape, we smush the grape, we turn it into wine. He sped that whole process up in an instant. He can do that. Why? Because it's his creation. Why does he have dominion over demonic forces? Because he is God. And all spiritual forces give an account to God. Right? Satan and Jesus are not brothers fighting for in this cosmic battle where they're equals. No, no, no. Jesus said to Satan in Matthew 4, you need to leave. And Satan left. Because never, even in the temptation in the wilderness, did Jesus ever give up his authority as the Son of God, as God himself. And Satan knew that. And so he had to respect. Even the demons. Who are you? Why are you here, Jesus? Would you, would you spare me, Jesus? Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't cast me out. They even had to respect. And James tells us that, right? the demons believe and tremble some christians believe and don't tremble right uh, and the world doesn't believe and doesn't tremble so again we see that uh, anyone else quickly before we move on Julie. his honesty yeah yeah yep yep which manifests. yep this is what you got to do yeah yeah, which, again, is that that works is not just the miracles, but everything he does in his ministry points us to God, and God is truthful, right? And he's going to hold us accountable. Uh, along those same lines, then, with all of that being said, why might we, humanity, be tempted to dismiss miracles? Why might, why, why might we, in the, especially the miracles of Christ, why might we be tempted to dismiss these things? Yeah, Avi. Avi. Okay. Okay? Okay, our hardness of heart of sinfulness has caused us to dismiss those miracles because we don't want to believe, right? We want to keep doing what we're doing and if we can give an answer to it, then he's not all powerful. right? absolutely. Yeah, Jeff. So if, if we agree that is truly miracle, then we agree that it's true. Yes, yes. God then he also has all authority and therefore i need to believe everything else he said so that's going to change my world now either i now know i'm dismissing truth and going to go live in sin or i'm going to reject sin and follow christ which changes everything right and we know those of us who receive christ we know that that's nothing but a blessing and a joy but in the world it's i got to give up all this stuff now i got to stop living for self right so before we dive into the next part of our passage which is going to be john chapter 14 I want to give you a little bit more background because we're changing chapters. So you can go to John chapter 14, and we're going to read in just a moment another passage there. But I want to give you a little bit more background on John chapter 14 specifically. All right. So John 14 in this chapter, it's part of Jesus's discourse to the disciples. Uh, this actually is John chapter 13 through 17. It's kind of that, that discourse where Jesus is teaching and sharing great truths with his disciples Uh, This is on the night of the Passover before he was betrayed, arrested, and crucified. And we see that in chapters 18 through 19. Actually, John writes more on the crucifixion of Christ than the other Gospels. Uh, Jesus told his disciples not to be troubled, that he was going to go back to the Father to prepare a place for them, and he would return and take them to himself so that they would be together. We see this in the first few verses of John chapter 14. In all honesty, I really believe we see the heart of the Gospel in John chapter 14 and we see this in uh, verse 3 so I'm just gonna read this quickly but John chapter 14 verse 3 it's a great picture of the gospel It says if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also so what a great picture of the gospel why did why would Jesus the son of God God himself leave heaven be born of a virgin take on flesh which ultimately leads him to the cross, live in this world, go through all that he went through, the beatings and the crucifixion and everything else, dying on the cross, being buried and rising again. Why would Jesus do all of that? Well, number one, for the glory of the Father, of course. But what does he say? I believe of the gospel? I am, you'll be with me. And that's the heart, I believe, of the gospel. So again, in John chapter 14, we then see Thomas's reply to Jesus' opening statements there. That he did not know where he was going, where Jesus was going, and how could we know the way? And Jesus then says, one of the most famous verses in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. That's very, very controversial today. And by the way, just a little bit of a kind of a check. It was controversial in Jesus's day. Right? Jesus's religious culture of the day was also very kind of uh, polytheistic. There was lots of different gods to choose from. And your God is one God, and the Roman God, and the Greek God, and it's all fine, right? It doesn't really matter what you believe, if you don't believe in anything. But Jesus came on the scene, and he said, no, it's pretty definitive. If you want to go to heaven, it's going to be through me. John chapter four, right? The woman at the well. You worship, you know not what. We, the Jews, worship the true and living God, right? I'm paraphrasing, but that's the idea. And Jesus calls her to what? Trust in the Messiah. And so here we see Jesus says he's not a way. He is the way to the Father. There aren't many roads up the same mountain to nirvana or heaven or paradise. There's only one road, and it's Jesus Christ. And the Bible says it's a narrow road. That's a pretty concerning thought when you think about it. It's a narrow road. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will inherit eternal life. But those in Christ who have truly repented of the sins and trusted in Christ will have eternal life. So John chapter 14, let's look at verse 8 through 11. Verses 8 through 11 is what we're going to pick up for our purposes. And if I can get a volunteer that would like to read that, that would be great. John 14 verses 8 through 11. Renee, thank you very much. So here we see that the miracles that we talk about in the ministry of Christ point to the divinity of Christ. It points to the reality of the divinity of Christ. Philip asked Jesus for a visible display of God's glory, giving them all the evidence they needed. People today ask the same thing. If they could just see physical evidence that there is a God, they would believe. If I could just see those things, then I would believe. If you could just show me the evidence then I would believe. But Jesus had walked intimately with Philip and the others for three years. And Philip had watched Jesus perform several miracles. Jesus went on to say that he and and him and him in of Jesus, show me evidence of this. The reason they're saying that is because in their mind, there's no physical evidence. So going back to what Jeff said, if you can't point me to the evidence, I don't have to change. And somehow we think the onus to prove God falls on us but that's not the case. If someone says to me, I don't believe in God, then they have to prove why they don't believe in God. I don't have to prove God's existence. And by the way, you ever notice about the word of God? Where does God prove himself? He doesn't, does he? I mean, he shows evidences of himself, but how does the Bible open with God giving a reason for God's existence? How's the Bible open? In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. What is that? That's God saying, I am. Yeah, but I don't believe. That's fine. I am. Well, yeah, but I don't see enough evidence. That's fine. I am. And I created the heavens and the earth. And so again, even in the beginning of scripture, God is just God. And Stan and I have talked about this before when working with kids. She said, you know, sometimes kids will say, okay, well, what was before God? Well, God. No, no. Yeah, but what, what was before that? Well, it's just God. We well, yeah, but what, what made God come into existence? Well, God's always been. And that drives our human minds crazy. Because we want to know, wait a minute, but what? It's just always been God, right? And so what's Jesus saying here? Philip, you're asking for evidence. I've shown you if you'll see it with a heart of faith. If you'll see it for what it is, which is a pointing to God, then you will see that this is true. So, open up discussion quickly. What obstacles prevent many from accepting the truth of who Jesus is? We've touched on this a little bit already, and we'll just go for maybe a minute or so, getting some thoughts on this. But what obstacles prevent many from accepting the truth of who Jesus is? In our world today, what are some obstacles that prevent people from seeing Jesus who he is? Avi. -hmm. Because they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, I mean, I think that they suppress that truth, because, mm-hmm. as Jeff was saying as well. Because if I don't acquiesce to the truth, then I can go on about my way, la la la, not listening to God, and I'm going to pretend He's not there. And right. I really I want to. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. They suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Right. We know, because we're created in, in the image of God, we know there is a God. But I suppress that truth and unrighteousness because if I submit to that, I have to submit to that authority. Right. Keith i might say that sort of thing just sum it up by saying intellectual pride okay yeah 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 absolutely yes yes the the wisdom of man is the foolishness before god right absolutely sandra i would just um it could be anger and hurt so basically causes denial yeah Right. Right. So many people have gone through personal hurts and tragedies, right? By the way, even at the hands of the church it is, and, and we'll, we'll connect it back like that, right? Global tragedies, heartaches across the world. Um, when we see children suffer, you know, and, and we understand the theological answer, well, that's sin and that's, you know, humanity. And, but it's still in our human nature, gives us pause to say, man, but I, why, right? And so absolutely, personal hurt, tragedies, right? Difficulties, that, that will also be something we wrestle with. And by the way, how do we come against that? There needs to be a level of empathy, right? A level of understanding, but we don't compromise the truth, but we need to be careful how we speak the truth, right? Maybe get on their level a little bit, hear their story. Don't just tell them, well, yeah, but you're just being selfish and obviously you should just believe, right? Because if they've been hurt, man, I'm sorry that happened to you. Right? I'm sorry the church lived apart from Christ during that season and hurt you that way. I'm sorry that Christian didn't act like Christ when they said or did that. It's okay to admit that, but then say, but that doesn't change who God is. Right? And that's just a poor reflection of who Jesus is. Any other thoughts on that quickly as far as Renee? Mm Mm-hmm. OK, so like, for example, would you say like, like an overemphasizing on the love of God, but denying the other attributes of God being holy, just and all those things. OK, yep, absolutely. So they're, that's still preventing them from knowing who Jesus really is. Right. So what is that? We're just creating our own little Jesus. Right. This is the Jesus we like. All right. One more passage in John as we continue down this idea and then we'll wrap up. So John chapter 14, look at verses 12 through 14. Just a couple verses, but one more volunteer would be great. John chapter 12, or I'm sorry, John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. One more volunteer. Who'd like to read those two verses for us? Keith, awesome. Thank you. You made eye contact, man. You can't make eye contact. I'm going to call on the first person that makes eye contact. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I know a lot of Christians. We love that verse, okay, Lord. That Mega Millions is growing in Jesus' name. Come on, right? But we are so good at taking that verse out of context. Uh, there is a whole movement in Christianity, the Prosperity Gospel, that makes you believe that if you really have the favor of God, and it's amazing how this has snuck into the lives of Christians that I would have I would have thought, man, they know the word. They know it. And yet now, fast forward a few years of being around this junk, theological junk, they've completely bought into it. To where it's, if you really are walking in Christ, then you're healthy, wealthy, and blessed, right? If your check account isn't growing, then that's a faith problem. We've had people even that we've talked to, Sandra and I, over the years, that, you know, if you're battling any kind of sickness, that's just a lack of faith. Ask in Jesus' name. Anything you ask in his name, he'll do it. So if you're not seeing that healing, that's a you problem. Are you asking in Jesus' name? And we just rip it out of its context. So what in the world is Jesus speaking of here? Well, really what he's saying, if you could summarize it, Jesus continues to work through us for God's glory. That's really what Jesus is saying. And that's why a lot of people will call uh, the book of Acts kind of the fifth gospel. Because what is really the book of Acts? It's a continuation of what God is doing through his church in Christ, right? It's, it's not the ministry of Christ as Christ is not on planet earth, but it's a continuation of that small amount of food. The main point in sharing this teaching with his disciples was to explain that he was about to leave them, but his ministry would continue through them, through the church. In John 14, 14, Jesus stressed, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus told his disciples that he would give them anything they asked when they asked based on his name or basically by his authority. The unspoken assumption is then that they wouldn't ask for things that didn't bring glory to the Father. Jesus wants to work through us today in ways that point people to who he really is. Not necessarily that grow our checking account or that bless us with our understanding of happiness. And that's where I always get so frustrated when people say things like that. Well, well, doesn't the Bible say, and they'll quote some verse out of context. You know, in Philippians, it says that, that, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And we've talked about that verse before. What is the context of that verse? Why did the Philippian church have needs? Because they had given so much to Paul's mission's work, they couldn't take care of some things that they need to take care of. And Paul's response was, because you've given to the work of God, God will take care of your needs. But man, we rip verses out of context. Well, I tithe, and because I tithe my 10%, God's going to give me a 200% increase. The guy on the TV said so. We just rip it out of its context. What Jesus was saying here, and even in verse um, 12... He says, the things that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these. So how can we, the church, yes, saved, but still fallen mankind in Christ, how can we possibly do greater works than the works of Christ? It's not greater in quality, it's greater in quantity. What do I mean by that? When Jesus was walking on planet earth, he was ministering as the God-man. He gave his apostles the ability to do ministry and works and perform great things. And then he, through his apostles, established the church. And now the global body of Christ is doing the works of God, not the same works, right? And there's some, again, there's some crazy teaching on this. People going to cemeteries and believing they can raise the dead. Nowhere does Jesus say we're called to do that, right? We're called to preach a spiritual resurrection and newness of life, not to go lay on a grave and believe we can raise someone from the dead. And these things are being taken out of context. And so again, it's that global work of preaching the gospel and people come into Christ. The Ephesians 2, you were once dead, but now you've been quickened and made alive. It's not greater in quality. It's greater in quantity. The Holy Spirit is now working in all believers. To do these works. And that is what Jesus said. And then why do we need to call on his name? Because his name is the only name of authority that we've been given. And this again is saying, Lord, I, I believe this is your will. Would you work in this way? And then here's the beauty of it. We leave it in his hands. Lord, I asked in your name. I believe it's your will, but you're God. I'm not. I'll trust in you. Well, what do we do when we pray for healing and use the name of Jesus and we believe it's God's will? And then the person isn't healed this side of heaven. We don't beat ourselves up or tear ourselves down. We trust that God's will is different than my understanding. And that's okay because his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. And we trust that God is in control. And I I know we say this and it's true. When you pray for healing for someone that's a believer and they end up dying in that disease, God answered your prayer in a better way than you ever could imagine. Because they're whole and complete in his presence. So these are just a few examples of how praying in Jesus' name can be misused in our world today. And there's many, many more examples of this, but I wanted to touch on that. Because again, so many people think, okay, the miracles of Christ. And then they start thinking, well, then all of that should be happening today. That's not necessarily true. If Jesus did it and it's recorded for us, I don't need Jesus to do it again. The of the word of God and the apostles leaving the scene and establishing elders and pastors and teachers. There's things that happen in the book of Acts that do not ever need to happen again because they've already taken place and it's established and recorded for us. And we're okay with that. Now, does that mean that God is a miracle-working God today? Of course he is. He is miraculous things that he's doing. And I'm not saying he can't do things. He can do whatever he chooses to do. But I feel that we come into it thinking it's got to be this exact thing that he did once before he's got to do it again. And nowhere in scripture does it say that's the case. He says that he will use his church for his glory. So... In conclusion, as we get ready to wrap up. What actions in this study, I love that they give us some kind of application points. What actions will you take in response to today's study? So three things that gives us an application on here. So the first one is thank God. Jesus promised to continue working through his followers for God's glory. Let's spend time thanking God that he still chooses to use us for his good works so that others would come to know Christ. Secondly, talk about God. Look for opportunities to share the marvelous things you see God doing in the world today. And by the way, salvation is the greatest miracle that's ever taken place. And then lastly, encourage us to share God. Listen to the stories of others, pray with them, and offer them the greatest miracle Jesus gave us through the cross, the grace of God and the salvation. As Sandra said, when people are hurting and struggling, it sounds like they're just angry and upset and defensive about the things of God. What's driving that? Have a conversation with somebody. Get to know them. What is it that's driving their their rejection of God or the gospel or Jesus? Don't just dismiss them as an atheist who just doesn't want to believe or somebody that's just questioning. Find out. Get to know them and spend time sharing the gospel with them. Whether they come to Christ or not is not your uh, doing. It is the work of God in them. And I always love that Jesus spent time with the rich young ruler, taking time to explain to him what the gospel is and then leaving it in his court. Jesus fully knew that young man would walk away sad, but still took time to spend time with him and make sure he understood. And so again, the grace of God on display. So with that, I'd like to close us in a word of prayer. And again, thank you for being here tonight. I pray that you've been encouraged by the study to know that God is continuing to work through his church for his glory. And you can be a part of that, not by performance or or any other thing, but by merely surrendering to him and letting him have that freedom to work in your life, and he will for his glory and by grace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this evening, and we thank you, Lord, for a time that we could gather to worship you. Thank you, Father, for the reality of what your word declares to us, that you are working through your church today. And, Lord, those miracles and those works are different in our world today. But, Lord, there's things that you did in the gospels that displayed your divinity that drew worship to the Father, that brought people to a a point of wanting to know more and then hearing the teaching of your word, which led them to salvation. Lord, I pray that we would see the miracles of Christ as evidence of who you are, who you declared yourself to be and continue to be today. But Lord, I I do pray as well that in our church culture today and in our churches in our community, that we would not, elevate miracles to a point of experience-driven Christianity where somehow we need to experience this or that thing to be sustained in our faith. You make it clear that the Word of God is what sustains us by grace through faith and the working of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and minds, illuminating us to the things of God. I don't need a physical experience to validate my salvation. I have the Word of God before me, the Spirit within me, And yes, we'll see fruit in our lives. But Lord, again, that's driven from you. And so Lord, help us to be wise in these things, to be guarded in a world where there's so much teaching at a a click of a a mouse. There's so much teaching. There's so many that are uh, putting out teaching on on discernment. As we hear various teachings and things about you and things that people claim about you, help us to use wisdom and discernment in what we listen to May we always see it through the lens of God's word. Thank you, God, for being a miracle-working God. There is nothing you cannot do. And so, Lord, we, we believe that, and we ask that you continue to, to open our eyes to what you're doing in the world, that we can praise you for it. And, Lord, again, when you do or work in some way that we don't understand, may we trust you because you are trustworthy. You are God, and we are not. And so again, we ask things in your name, believing they be, that they're your will and they would be what you'd have to, to have done. But Lord, again, we want to walk with you in, in understanding that you are the one that's in control. You are the one that's working all of this for your glory. And Lord, so again, use us this week. Help us to be vessels that are full of your spirit, ready and willing to serve you in our words and our actions and opportunities you bring us. And so, Lord, again, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for all that you're doing. Continue to go with us as we go our separate ways. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. Uh, Wednesday night, 645. We'll see you then. Don't forget to bring some food for the canned food drive we're doing this month. Uh, Drop that off in the lobby, and we'll see you Wednesday night.